Hey guys, Brandon here, the host of the Get Over Yourself podcast. Before we jump into today's episode, I just wanted to let you know that the interview I conducted with this man that you'll get to know very well, it's a sensitive topic, so if you were discretion advised, um, we go into a little bit about his time served in the military and the experiences he had in war and PTSD after the fact, um, his battles with depression and attempted suicide. So be aware when you are getting into that episode. And because of the sensitivity of some of these topics, um, I left out a lot of portions that I thought um, maybe could not be as impactful. I left in a lot of the interview where Fidelis was more open and he felt more comfortable for me putting that sort of content inside of the episode. And so as you go in and whatnot, I left in a lot of the portions where Fidelis just goes on and speaks. You won't hear as many questions in this episode as I normally give my guests. It's because I wanted him to be able to tell his story in an appropriate way. So just experience the crazy story that Fidelis has and also get to know that this is a longer episode just because of some of those events. So stay tuned. It is something you're not going to want to miss. What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of the Get Over Yourself podcast, a podcast dedicated to self-development, self-improvement, and helping you achieve the goals that you've laid forth in your life. I'm your podcast host, Brandon Davis. And in today's episode, I'm going to be interviewing my new friend who formerly served in the United States Army, Fidelis. Fidelis is the president and founder of Warrior Solutions Corps and born in Uganda, Africa. Fidelis immigrated to the United States when he was just 21 years old to join his family who had already been living there. Following the events of 9-11, Fidelis was drawn to service in the U.S. Army where he served valiantly in the Iraq War receiving multiple service awards, including the Purple Heart, after having sustained significant and life-threatening injuries. Due to many of those injuries, he was medically discharged from the Army in 2010. While his transition from combat to real life was not easy at first, Fidelis has battled against the strains of traumatic brain injury and post-traumatic stress disorder, or better known as PTSD, and has since earned a graduate certificate, a BA, and an MBA. He's currently pursuing a doctorate in business administration project management. While pursuing his educational ambitions, Fidelis has found purpose in assisting veterans and their families with their own transitions and has created the Warrior Solutions Corporation in order to continue that important work. As an ordained minister, he also provides spiritual support and guidance through Warrior Solutions Ministries, a division of Warrior Solutions. Guys, as always, I'm going to be linking some of Fidelis's websites and podcasts and everything else he has going on, social media and all that, in the description below. So at the end of today's episode, make sure to go check him out. Give him a thanks for hopping on, or if you have any questions, Fidelis told me he'd be more than happy to connect with you. But guys, in today's episode, we're going to be focusing on a few different aspects. We're going to be jumping into Fidelis and when he immigrated to the United States, what that was like. We're going to be talking a lot about his time served in the army and some of the crazy events that led to him getting his purple heart. And we're going to be talking about some of the crazy issues that come up after serving in the war. So you're not going to want to miss this. Fidelis, thank you so much for hopping on today's episode with us. Thank you so much for having me, Brandon. I'm humbled. Well, guys, that's Fidelis for you. And we're so excited to be recording together today. And with all that being said, let's jump into today's episode. So Fidelis, as you mentioned, you immigrated here from Africa when you were 21 years old. What was that transition like? Where did you end up going from Uganda? Where did you move to here in the U.S.? Man, Brandon, thank you so much for having me. Hi, guys. So I'm from Uganda, born and raised originally. And my dad, I lost my mother when I was seven years old uh, back in Uganda. And there was a war during the course of that transition in the 80s, the new president coming on, who is the current president of Uganda versus the old who was being ousted. Uh, and then we lost touch with our dad for a while, uh, almost 17 years. Uh, and then finally, when we reconnected, he worked so hard to bring us here, me and my siblings, the four of us. So in 99 is when I arrived, my brother and I, uh, to the United States. As it's interesting, it was around January 1st, the first I ever experienced snow and winter brutal <laughs> i remember when i first landed in boston and then on to minneapolis where we settled i felt like i needed to go back to uganda right away 
that was probably a culture shock, a little cold, huh? <laughs> that was a, that the biggest cultural shock you can ever experience, you know, uh, coming from Uganda, equatorial weather, just tropical weather, and it's hot all day long, you know, and then you come to like snow, white, the whole ground is white and it's cold and you, it's so confusing. But yes, I settled in, in Minneapolis, Minnesota, uh, where I eventually joined the military from at that time. But was, when we transitioned in, I had finished high school in Uganda, so that helped us uh, get into college here in the U.S., and I went to University of Wisconsin, Stout, uh, my first year before I transferred later to St. Cloud State University in Minnesota. But it was during the course of 9-11 that compelled me to join the U.S. Army and kind of contribute back, give back the country that had given me second chance in life, you know. Uh, all the freedom you experience here, just and that was just overwhelming in comparison from where I came from, you know. So I figured, why not serve? I have to serve. I have to protect this land uh, that has given me, you know, a second home, my new home. That's what compelled me to join the military uh, in 2001. But the first time around, I tried to do the ASVAB test and I could not pass it, Brandon. <laughs> I tried three different times and I couldn't pass it. So I had to wait until 2004 and eventually shipped out to basic training in 2005 uh, before deploying for Iraq. That's crazy. I mean... First and foremost, I want to break that down. So you move to Uganda, to the United States when you're 21. You know, you start trying to adjust. It's freezing cold compared to where you're compared to where you're from. You start going to university and learning and whatnot. And then this crazy event of 9-11 happens. And you, I mean, at this point, were you even technically an American citizen? Have, had you got your citizenship or were you just coming over and saying, wow, this is terrible. I love America so much already. I want to help protect it. What was the process there? At the time, I was just a green card holder, permanent resident, because uh, my dad was already a citizen at the time, but he had brought us here, but we were already hold, older. So all we got at the time was a permanent resident. So I didn't get my citizenship until 2006, right before deploying to Iraq. But at that time, we were a permanent resident, and as a permanent resident, when you have a green card, you're allowed to serve in the U.S. Army or in the U.S. military at all, actually. You can serve in all branches of the U.S. military. But you cannot be an officer. I think that's the only exception. Uh, you cannot be an officer at the time until you become a citizen. May I ask what kind of drove you to joining the military? I mean, obviously you said after 9-11, it was kind of a shock and you wanted to help serve. But that's a big commitment, especially somebody who hadn't lived in the U.S. their whole life. You'd only been here for a few years at that point. What made you want to do something so difficult as joining the Army? Man, and, it, and you know, at the time, it didn't seem so difficult. It, it, seemed, it seemed like exciting. It seemed like, man, I can, I can contribute. I can give back. I can be a part of this great nation. I can, you know, like there, there's just that feeling of, of worthiness. You know what I mean? Like just wanting to give back. And I, that was my third year in college too. And I had to drop out of college to join the military. You know, uh, it really was like, man, I just want to serve. I'd been, I'd been trying and trying since 9-11. I'd been trying and trying four different times, three different times before I passed finally the fourth times when I passed my ASVAB uh, exam before I was shipped off. But I'd been trying and trying and it's something that I wanted to stay on persistently. I wanted it. I wanted it. I didn't want to just give up and just, you know, say, okay, I guess this is not going to work. Let me just go figure something else out. I just wanted to make sure I go and experience that experience and contribute in any way, shape or form that I could. And I could, you know, I was in a free country where you can choose to do whatever it is you want to do and it's okay. You understand? And I thought that was very neat for me. You know, where I came from, those those are not the possibilities. You know, where I came from, you come from a country where the government decides for you what to study in a university, you know, type of scenario versus you choosing what you want to study. You know, so that that freedom was just overwhelmingly like there's no way I cannot give back. And that's the only way I knew how to give back. How can I contribute uh, through service, uh, you know, to this great nation that had given me an opportunity you know, given me a second chance in life, accepted me and gave me a new home. You know, how can I protect that? And that's really why for me, I pushed to join the military. You know, Fidelis, I really like what you're saying there because you recognize the situation you're given back home. Um, you recognize that it wasn't necessarily the best. Um, that's why you immigrated in the first place. But you also didn't give up. I mean, you failed the ASVAB, would you say three times? And I have, I personally haven't taken it, but I know plenty of my friends who have, 
And I know how, how difficult it could be. Not only are you trying to rank the highest amongst your fellow peers, but just passing the thing in general is very difficult, especially somebody coming from a completely different culture, I can imagine. And, and someone who speaks English as a second language, and <laughs> I think that what failed me the most, sorry, Brandon, what failed me the most was, you know, the linguistics, the, the you know, the, the language, the English words, the man is so difficult, you know, and that completely threw me off. But I studied and I, I, I stayed to it, I stuck to it, and I think that's the, the attitude that has kept me going to date, you know, just trying to stay consistent, persistent, and, and just making sure I, I, I try to work hard into achieving what it is I set my mind to achieving. And as you kind of persisted in this effort, you just kept going and going, what drove you to do so? I mean, that's, like I said, that is very difficult to keep that, taking that test and failing, taking the test and failing, taking the test and failing, but you kept pushing yourself. At that point, or during the entire process, did you ever think, okay, maybe this isn't the plan God has in store for me, or maybe that I should be doing something else to help the United States and my family and whatnot? Or what kept you going with this idea that I need to serve in the army, I need to give back to this country? And my, my, my family was against it, first of all, uh, because when I passed the ASVAB and I signed up for the military and I shared with them that I was shipping off to basic training, everybody was crying tears and wondering why, why now, why during war? What's wrong with you type of scenario conversations? But, you know, I, I wanted it. I honestly wanted it. Uh, and it, it seemed like going back was more difficult than continuing the journey. You know, when I looked back and said, shoot, if I do not succeed here, that then means I give up. That then means everything that's going to come my way, I'll always give up. Because then I have to tap into that second option, the second option or the plan B, which is not really ultimate you know especially when you're pursuing something if you have in the back of your mind that there's something to fall back to then the plan a is never going to work because the plan e becomes the driving force you know every time you try to when you get stagnant when you get stuck you look at the plan b and then you give up plan a saying you know what i guess i'll go start with the plan b but then the plan b will become challenging as well just like plan a is then you will quit again and go to plan c and then you keep going backwards instead of going forward i think for me what i challenged myself was no I have to keep pushing until, until it's not me who is failing me, until somebody else tells me that, oh, we don't want you, or we cannot take you, you know, but I cannot give up because I'm failing as a verb, or because I'm failing this type of, you know, exams not to just get into the service. So I stuck to it. I really stuck to it. And by the way, I had experienced war. You know, I grew up running from war. I grew up running from, you know, uh, people trying to kill us. You know, we used to sleep in the bushes in the middle of the night. You know, when you wake up in the morning, you're walking around and there's dead bodies and stuff like that. You're like, shoot, what happened at nighttime, you know? So we used to, we came from a, uh, a background where one time as a young boy, I think I had to have been seven or eight, my grand, living with my grandmother and my dad was already in America. At that time we had lost touch, but my, we had lost our mother. And then the rebels came and, and just took all of us. Uh, they kind of like... Uh, took us hostage and took over the company of the home and held on there for like a whole month. And I watched them torture people. I watched them do these beatings. I watched them. So it was like brutal, you know. So I had all that in the back of my mind. But I said, no, it's, it's not the same. I have to go and serve. I have to go and, and, and represent my family in service. I have to go and give back, you know. And I kept fighting towards that until I got in. You know, until I got in. And then once I got in, I was one of the happiest kids, you know, being out there. But it wasn't easy. It was very, very challenging, Brandon. Basic training was challenging, you know, and that was a cultural shock too for me because it was a completely different environment, you know, but where a place where you get to meet people from all 50 states and you're like, wow, you know, this is what really America is made of, you know. And I'd not experienced that. I'd not met people from different states because we just moved, you know, to, to the U.S. four years prior to that. Uh, so it was completely different, different type of environment for me, different partaking in my life. But it was, it was, it was good. You know, it was really, really good for me. And I think that's that's really what has kept me going to date, despite the injuries sustained during war. You know, I have no regrets for having struggled to join and then joining and then getting injured. But instead, I look at it as, as, as though God sent me to have certain experiences in life so that he can, you know, uh, deliver me to where he wants me to be. And, and sometimes the way I look at it, if you read that, I look at it like in Hebrews 1, 14, it talks about, you know, how the angels come to serve so they can save those who want salvation later on, you know, despite the, the, the challenges we've gone through, you know. So I look at myself as that angel who went through the struggle so later on I can help somebody else overcome. 
really like that analogy there. I think that's something we could all kind of look for more in our life. And obviously, as you have a God-fearing background, that's something that you can kind of put in perspective with that angel analogy. But what we can also just relate that to is just the simplicity of we can be there for our neighbors. We can help the person on the street. We can help one of our roommates, one of our family members. Or in your case, you can help an entire country by offering your service. You were one of those angels in that instance. And I think what really touched me about your story that you were just sharing, Fidelis, is the fact that you were growing up in a situation of war. And many of the listeners, I think 83% of my listeners are based out of the United States. And that's something that unless you serve in the military, we've never really been accustomed to. I mean, sure, we get the occasional actions and whatnot, but the majority of it is away from our home country. Most of the fighting and stuff goes on in other foreign lands. And so that's something that we personally, for the most part, haven't experienced. And so as you were growing up, this was your daily life. I mean, you're waking up and you were struggling. You probably had to look out for your brothers and sisters. You had to look out for your friends and your other family members. You had to make sure that they were alive every morning. So what was that like when you're growing up and how did you kind of deal with all the chaos and come out today being happy and recognizing all the blessings you had? Because I know for me, that that would be very tough. I mean, I would focus on a lot of the negatives if I was born in your situation. How are you so happy right now? Thank you. Thank you, Brandon. You know, growing up wasn't easy. Um, I, I, I can't, you know, and I don't want to point fingers or blame anybody. It's just, you know, the situation at the time, uh, growing up in the 80s, in the mid 80s, uh, you know, uh, there was a transition in government again, and this wasn't like elections, you know, like the U.S. practices, you know. That was like uh, another person coming from the bush and starting a war and taking over the government, you know, pretty much that scenario. And so there was that experience, and then there was experience of uh, another tribe coming to to the tribe where, we, to the settlement where we were just stealing cattle and killing people along the way and, and just, you know, doing all these bad things. So it was it was really rough growing up. You know, but but it, it turned out okay. Once everything settled in, you know, the government, finally the new government took over and, you know, we started noticing some sense of peace here and there and things of that nature. But not entirely because there was some rebelism that kept going on for years. And this kept going on until maybe in the mid-2000s, you know, while I was ready in the U.S. military. I don't know if you remember of Kony. They, they used to have like a, like a movement here in the U.S. about Kony, educating people about Kony and how to to fight that, you know, in the northern part of Uganda. Uh, so there, there was some kind of unsettlement in that regard. But, you know, I turned out okay, and I, I got through high school pretty okay. Uh, during the course of my high schooling, there was no water time, so that really worked out for me, up until, you know, my dad helped bring us to the U.S. So things worked out. That's very good, and I'm glad to hear that. Obviously, especially as a kid, you want to have that experience of growing up and not have to mature too quickly. I know that's something a lot of people deal with in different family circumstances and based upon where they grow up. A lot of times you have to mature very quickly and I'm glad that it kind of settled out there towards the end of your high school years and whatnot. And going back now towards when you actually started serving in the military, like you said, you went to start a boot camp, you went to um, enlist and that process took a long time. But I liked what you're saying a minute ago about how as you got there, you recognize it's kind of the heart of America. You saw people from all 50 different states. You got to serve with them. You got to cry with them, train with them, do everything in between. What was that like coming from a different country and then being surrounded by all these different cultures from different states around the United States? Man, uh, beautiful, mesmerizing, you know, unity at its best. And, and that's one of the things, you know, people might not realize the the united states military is so united and those are one of the core things that the characteristics that i that i take away from it from that experience uh, that has probably changed my life for the better is, is the sense of unity sense of coming together and say we are we wear the same uniform we saw under the same we swat the same oath you know of office or service you know and, and you're my brother's keeper your sister you know type of situation there and i think that was huge you know the whole scenario of my battle body you know, my body, body keep, you know, so th there was that core collectiveness that, that was just a difference. And I often caught myself just observing that, like, wait a minute, you know, imagine what, what it's like where I came from. There was no such thing. You could not see that. I'd never seen that growing up, you know, and then you come to that. And that was just through basic training. And then we went into different trainings. So by the time we got to war, 
the 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 relationship was natural because the relationship just came as like oh i'm an american you're an american cool we are brothers and sisters in that regard you know uh so even during war you know i found myself like really really looking up that guys the way i've never known to look after guys and then guys look over my back the way i've never it's never happened like that for me either you know and and, and that that's like a great deal coming from you know uganda and coming into the because that's not what it's like in our, our cultures where we grew up from you know so when you come here and then the military is that connected and that united and then you know people are not pointing fingers anymore you know what i mean it's not like when i first came in there were scares and fears here and there okay this is a foreigner what what is it like oh this this and that what is that like you know the curiosity of people just trying to learn where you coming from and then joining the military that curiosity wasn't as intense the curiosity was more like brotherly so it was easy to make friends you could meet someone today and, and tomorrow we are like good friends like you've known each other and that's that's really something i've taken away to date because it's helped me network a lot here you know if i see a veteran i talk to a veteran just like i've known him like forever even when it's just our first meeting when i see a soldier i talk to a soldier like i've known him and the conversation just carry on naturally because we have that that background we have that foundation of 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 that unity that strength you know of service of of serving our nation and serving you know our families and serving our communities and and you know and continuing on to protect you know uh the love uh you know the country provides to us and the freedom and, and and just the abundance you know of living you know the choices you have here is not the choices you have anywhere else in the world this is the only country where you can live as you see fit you know you don't have to worry about anybody telling you what to do and how to do it you know that freedom just is entirely just priceless you know fidelis i really appreciate you being open about that too because i feel like a lot of us would assume that in the military, maybe because you're from another country, you may have been considered, not considered, but maybe in some instances you could have been more outcasted from the group. But no, you put it exactly how you perceived it. Those were your brothers and sisters in arms. You had their back, they had your back. And how did that help you going forward in the military? And I guess continuing on through life now, knowing that you had these random people that you had never met before, but you knew you could trust them with your life. What did that mean to you? And what kind of practices did that leave you guys doing with each other? You know, primarily is why I do warrior solutions for me. And warrior solutions is from this with a O, you know, like a worry-free warrior. So warrior comes from worry-free. You know, and I wanted to start this organization to be a worry-free platform for veterans to come on and talk about life. Not necessarily about the hardship and, and the challenges we've gone through, but a place where we can come and, and we discuss our challenges and laugh and, and talk about the issues and laugh and come up with solutions and laugh and just to help one another, same way we did while with the military. And I think that was the whole, you know, uh, force for me, you know, having coming from that environment where, you know, I, I'm like, man, these guys looked out for me, these guys cared for me. And I remember being wounded. You know, I remember this is the most impactful one for me, Brandon. June 28th, 2007, I, I was wounded in Iraq. You know, one of the very many IEDs. I was blown probably 7 to 11 different times during the course of my 16, 17-month deployment to Iraq. If I could just cut you off real quick, you, you say that so naturally. Oh, yes, I just got blown 7 to 11 times. I, I, that just amazes me how you can say that so naturally and be so calm with it now. But continue, continue. It, it happened. In, <laughs> I was talking to a former first sergeant of mine a, a couple of days ago on a podcast of ours. And, and, and it's funny how he mentioned like, yeah, Fidelis and I were blown seven different times. And it's like, oh, you remember, you met first sergeant, you remember this, remember that, you know. So, but yes, yes, you know, because our mission on a day-to-day -day basis was being out. You know, we left three, four o'clock in the morning, five o'clock in the morning, and we just went out doing patrols, you know, clearing routes, doing stuff like that. So, and that's where the IEDs were, or the landmines, or whatever the case may be. So, it was really, really intense during the course of our deployments. 2006, 2007, I think, was the most intense with the IEDs uh, on the road, on the roads, and stuff like that. So, and it was our job to clear routes and things like that. So, we got to experience most IEDs in the course of our deployment. But yes, you know, those many times. And I remember being blown up and, man, and not knowing what's going on. I don't even know how I got out of the truck or how I got pulled out of the truck. Next thing I remember, I'm hearing faint type of noise coming. Now I was in the chopper being made back to, to another hospital where I had surgeries done and things like that. 
But the most mesmerizing, it was two, three days after that, how my platoon drove down where we were. They were going on a mission, and the mission was past the hospital where I was, you know, uh, administered. And those guys stopped by to come see me. All my eyes were covered up. My head was swollen. I could hear, but I could not see. But I could hear the voices and, and just the touching. And every single one of them showed me love. And every single one of them just was like, man and the best feeling i could i was like you you're telling me these guys care about me this much like men like people crying for me wanting to make sure my life is okay I get better you know on my feet and things like that and, and that was just too mesmerizing for me and some of those guys are in touch today you know some of them you know we lost some of them but for the majority of them that are here with us today we are in touch we are very very much in touch with those guys and that's a relationship that lasts forever it's so beautiful that you mentioned that too, Fidelis, because a lot of people would focus on the negatives. I mean, like I already mentioned, to me, it's crazy to think that you can just casually mention that you got blown up seven times by clearing out these landmines. And what a crazy job to be doing for the military as well. I mean, just props to you for having the courage to do so. But then not only do you just tell me the story that you get blown up seven different times, but then on this one instance where it gets really bad, what do you focus on? You focused on the positive. You focused on the the fact that you were able to make it to the hospital, that some of your patrol members, the people in your group, they, they were there with you, alongside you. They visited you in the hospital. And I mean, that's something that many of us can't necessarily do. I, I applaud your humility. I applaud your willingness to share it how it is and your ability to look on the bright side of things. Because honestly, if I was blown up, I don't know how much I'd be saying about how grateful I am someone came and visited me. I'd probably be thinking, wow, I have a pretty crappy life right now. So how, how did you go about that? Is this something in the moment you were very mad about and angry about? And now looking back on it, you're thinking, wow, I actually was blessed that people came and visited me and that I made it to the hospital. Or was this something in the exact moment that you were thinking, wow, I'm blessed that I made it here? Like, what, what was your thought during it? And what was your thought? Now, looking back in hindsight. You know, it's all about the mindset and, and how you believe in yourself. I, I think for me, going into Iraq, I believe that I'll make it back. It was the most scary deployment for me. Every day you did not know if you'd make it back in, into, you know, uh, our barracks, into our base or whatnot, because every day was entirely different. You know, there are some days where you get in a firefight. There are some days when it's just IEDs on the road, just being blown up left and right. And like, man, am I going to make it? But you have to stay strong. You have to keep the mind stronger. And then I was also one of those guys, you know, I was older, uh, one of the older guys in my platoon, you know. Um, I think at the time when I, when I got blown up, I was 26, 27 years old. You know, and I was around 19, 20, 21, 20 to 24 year old. Uh, uh, soldiers, uh, besides my platoon sergeants and maybe first, you know, uh, who are older than me and have served for longer. But but it all boils down to the mindset, you know, what you accept and what you don't accept. I think for me, during the course of that deployment, I said, no, I'm not going to die here. I do not want to die here. I came all the way from Uganda, all the way to the U.S. I already survived the war. I could have died. There's no way this is happening. And that's something I kept telling myself every day, every day, every day. And then I remember being blown up. And I remember the first day, the one that I blown up. And if I don't even know how to tell you that story because I was so exposed and just, there was a gunner on a Humvee, if you remember, if you know the Humvees that we use for patrols in Iraq, you know, the... Yes, yes. So I was a gun on the Humvee and I was completely exposed and, and uh, I seen the IEDs and all I remember was the sparking like lightning type of lightning just coming and just sparking. And I remember telling my driver, stop, stop, stop. But what are they taking fire? Because the destruction is some guys were shooting at us, you know, and that was a destruction to, so we don't pay attention to where they had, they had planted the, the, the IEDs. And then... When I say stop, I think he had go. So there was a confusion there too. And then the next thing was like the boom sound. And, and after that, I can't remember much. But, you know, uh, there, there was so much that was going on also. But the mental, the mind, and I remember being at the hospital just telling myself mentally, don't give up, don't give up. And I could not feel my face. My face was on fire. I had pieces of shrapnel penetrating through my, 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 my mouth, like, you know, my cheeks all the way through. 
to like almost a hole and I had so much paper space shrapnel in my face that they were just pulling out and pulling out and pulling out and and I could not feel my face was like on fire. I could not feel my head because it, it just felt like a rock, like that heavy, you know, and it was swollen. I could not open either of my eyes because it was that swollen. And one of my, my left eye was injured because I had a piece of shrapnel go through like right underneath it, you know. So, you know, that, that, that was just, man, but I had to stay strong. I kept telling myself, no, 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 I have to go home. I have to make it home. And at the time I was engaged, I was engaged to, to a, a college girlfriend of mine at the time, you know, who, oh, by the way, she ran away. I've not seen her to date because when, when I got injured, I think for her, she got a maid that the, the first message that came home was like my limbs were cut off, you know, oh, I think his legs are gone, this, this, this and that. And, and my fiance packed up and disappeared. She packed oh up and gosh. cleaned up the house and left. I have never seen her since. When I came home, the house was empty. She was nowhere to be found. When I was at Walter Reed, she never showed up the hospital. Nowhere. When I, so when I was on Fort Bragg, she never showed up. I've never not laid my eyes on her till now. So these are one of those, those areas where it's like, man, it gets so confusing. But I don't want to make it sound all like, you know, it was all good all throughout because I was depressed for 13 years, even before I started seeking help and getting healing and this, this and that. Literally like depressed and and I attempted taking my life a few times, hospitalized once uh, for that, you know, while I was on Fort Bragg. You know, because, man, I, I couldn't deal with, with just the nightmares and, and the migraine headaches and the back pains and, and just the forgetfulness. I was dealing with TBI, PTSD, and among many other physical injuries that I was dealing with at the time. So it gets exhausting, you know. And reason why I understand so much what a veteran soldier is going through right now, you know, the anxiety, the depression, the PTSD, and, and, and many more things of, you know, that isolate us. Whole reason why I started Warrior Solution, because I figured it out, said, well, Maybe now I can be the stronger one. Maybe now I can be the one who can try to talk to the next veteran because if he looks into my experience and understands what I went through, maybe then he can acknowledge and say, wait, if Fidelis went through this and is doing okay, maybe there is hope that I will be fine as well. You know? So that's really what pushes me to date, Brandon. And, and the most painful thing, Brandon, you know, the guys that I served with during that time and including some of the guys who came to see me at the hospital, you know, some of them, we lost them. We lost them because, you know, we lost them to suicide here at home. So that's that's very, very, you know, very, very painful to, to learn. So this is the whole reason for me why I push Warrior Solution. And, and I like how you have your podcast, you know, the get over yourself. You know, what I often talk about in my podcast and, and here at Warrior Solutions is, you know, how can you get, you know, how can you get away? How can you overcome? How can you give yourself a chance? You understand? And how can you get a, get out of your own way into success? Because I had to get out of my own way into succeeding because I was impeding myself through not seeking help or guidance. I was impeding growth through just beating myself through just the depression and accepting all those things when I could just switch mentally and, and start seeking help and there's no shame in seeking help if you need help go find help if you need to talk to somebody go talk to somebody if you need to pray to god pray to god you know it took me 13 years of just depression and i got exhausted and then one day i was like okay what is it like to pray to god i hear praying to god so i started praying i started reading the bible you know and then i started talking about it and i started talking about it and then the moment i created warrior solution and i started talking about this live I started noticing the more I shared my story, the more relief I got. The more I shared my story about the hardship and the things I'm trying to overcome, the more relief I got. Now I'm realizing, you know, you can literally help yourself overcome. You can help yourself heal. You can have healing conversations and you'll heal from healing conversations. How can you have a conversation with those who care and be candid about talking about what exactly bothers you without feeling any kind of shame? Because God does not judge you. It's only another man that's going to judge you. But it's not about another man. It's about God, you know, and, 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 and you. You understand? Because if you're accepting it, then you, you are the one who delegates your life. So whatever you say is really what has to go. You know, reason why I like your podcast, they get over yourself. How can you get over yourself? And if there's somebody out there who is struggling in any way, shape or form at any level capacity, you know, you have the ability to get over yourself. You have the ability to overcome. You have the ability to heal yourself because mentally you're that much powerful.
that that really is the reason we have the Get Over Yourself podcast. As funny as the name as it is, and um, you could say it in a joking manner and whatnot, it really is all about finding the ways where you can achieve more and you can get over certain elements inside of your life that may be weighing you down. You can recognize that even some of the most desperate and hopeless moments, at the end of the day, you can challenge yourself and push through those instances. And I want everyone who listens today to focus. I mean, Fidelis, he just talked about many different things, so I want to break all that down. I mean, you started off in this moment where you're in the hospital and you you admitted that your face is burning. You're in so much pain. I mean, it was great to see everyone around you. But then the minute you get back home, your fiance, she leaves you. So you just went from serving your country diligently, putting you everything you have on the line, nearly dying for it, then coming home and immediately facing more rejection, more pain, not just the physical, but the emotional and the spiritual pain. And then I really appreciate your openness to explaining how, how depressed you got in that instance. Because a lot of people, it's hard to talk about. Nobody will ever wants to admit that they're depressed. Nobody ever wants to admit that they have struggles and that they need to talk to somebody. But as you already mentioned, Fidelis, that's a necessity. If we keep hiding these inner dark secrets and these issues that we have and we just let it build up inside our own headspace, it's so much more difficult to receive the necessary help that we need inside of our lives. It's so hard to get out of our own mental space, our own challenges, because we just keep putting ourselves through the, the pain. You remember the issues you've had. And obviously your example, it's very extreme, but that could be met on so many different levels, whether you're a veteran, whether you work a nine to five, whether you're a stay at home mom or dad, everything and everybody goes through different challenges. So Fidelis, I can't thank you enough for just going out and explaining those different issues and being open enough to share it. You know, I, I want to say this. I just wanted to add one thing, you know, don't don't reject yourself in the process of healing or don't reject yourself in the process of confusion, you know, going through depression and challenges and things like that in life. Don't reject yourself thinking that's the end because, you know, you, tomorrow is entirely another day. You know, my advice is to you is stay present day at a time. Breathe now, you know, just just continue to breathe uh, through that. Continue to acknowledge yourself and the focus has to be in the goodness in you. What were you like before the challenge or before the depression or before whatever it is that is tormenting you? What are you tolerating in, in that regard? Because sometimes we get comfortable in pain that we say, you know what, I guess everybody just says this is what I can identify with. Let me just stick to this. And, and, and that's what you identify with and you stick to that and you continue suffering. Or you can tell yourself, well, that's what I used to be, but now it's not anymore. Now I can... I can challenge myself for the better because in the next five years, I don't want to be here. Next five years, I want to be in another place. But the journey starts now. So you have to start now for the planning for the next five years. Because if you wait to, to live next five years, then, you, you, then that's not going to be in the next five years. And the five years going to come, you're still in the same space wondering about the next 15. And then 30 years later, you're going to catch yourself suffering the same. And I know this because sometimes I have conversations with veterans from you know, uh, Vietnam era or earlier, not even our, our time, and they are still carrying on some, some suffering to date, you know, and, and there's, there's just people outside of, of veteran community, just people living normal life, civilian people just like, you know, you know, us, also still enduring some pain that are carrying on 20, 30 years long ago, that things that are happening. You know, I had a conversation with a 71-year-old man who said, man, I drank for 45 years and did drugs. I did not, my dad abandoned me, this, 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 and that. You know, so he had pain that has been carrying on until that level, but when you have those conversations, you realize that, man, he's carrying on the same pain he carried on when he was in his 40s or 30s. Then you're like, goodness, don't you get tired of that? How do you arrive to forgiving and letting go? Because you have to learn how to forgive yourself first before even what about forgiving somebody else. What is your doing in that matter? How can you also acknowledge your own responsibility first to you? Because you are responsible for you. You understand? And then before you're responsible for somebody else, you know, the reason why we are told in the plane, if for any emergency, make sure you put your mask on before you worry about the next person, you know, because how are you going to worry about helping somebody else if you can't even help yourself? So I always encourage people, please, please find strength within yourself to acknowledge the goodness in you. Love yourself despite the pain, despite the heart, despite, you know, you just ignoring yourself. And then take care of your body. When you take care of your body, it strengthens your mind. Okay, taking care of your body means drink water appropriately as you, you know, that your body needs. 
what are you feeding your body? Eat healthy so then your body can get enough energy so then the mental is stronger. Are you getting some sunshine? Do you have a great set of friends around you? I mean, all these are healing factors that, you know, we have to be aware about. And then are you praying? What's your spirituality like? You know, how are you strengthening you? Reason I said, do not abandon yourself. Do not reject you because you come first and you're everything you are looking for. Can't begin to thank you enough for those words, Fidelis. I've said thank you a million times, but I really do appreciate it. It's because if people can start focusing on just making little improvements inside of their lives, just a little bit day by day, that happiness that you have now can come. You went from the time of your life growing up where there was so much uncertainty to a little bit of hope when you moved to the U.S., to chaos of battle and war, to your fiance leaving you, to depression, to overall finding God, finding happiness, finding a purpose again. Yes. And all of that, as you've already mentioned so many times on this episode, Fidelis, it's a struggle and it's a process. Yes. But at the end of the day, if you continue to do that little by little and just focus on the small and minor improvements you can do daily, that's when the big changes happen. If we focus too much on the large, big proportions, it's so hard. It seems like a task that will never be accomplished. But if we can break that task into small, simple details with whatever we're struggling with, for you is that depression post-war, is that PTSD. For other people, it might be losing a family member. For others, it might be a dead-end job where they feel like it's going nowhere and they struggle so much or a broken marriage or um, issues with friends or family members. Whatever situation people are going through, I think exactly how you put it, just break it down into these little instances and find how you can overcome them, in a sense, get over yourself and achieve that happiness and that success and those other desires you have because they're out there. They're achievable. You just have to put in the work to do it like anything else in this world. Yes. And, and don't compete. You know, when you're getting over yourself, try not to compete with somebody else getting over themselves. You do. You have no idea about their story or, or how they are, you know what I mean? Exactly. All, or always to try, try to personalize your journey. Your journey is your journey and look at it as a gift. You know, we all have this gift of life, you know, and life is not long as we may assume it is. It's not. Life is very, very short because it can end at any time. We are two fragile human beings, you know, but you have to value yourself enough to give yourself a chance to know that it's possible because the possibilities are all within you. They are not outside. You know, what are you utilizing? What are you imagining about? How are you thinking? You know, what are your thought process? What are you allowing to accept versus what are you rejecting? You understand? Because so many oh, and so often men of us are accepting the pain and we're rejecting love. Even when it's love, we need to accept so you can overpower the pain and, and overcoming so then we can forgive and let go. You know, do not compete with the outside forces. Compete with yourself. And even with yourself, it should not be a competition. It should be an effortless journey because just a day at a time, just one day at a time. Think about it. You know, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, it was 2010, you know. And, and if you think about how far we have come since 2010 to now, I mean, it's just remarkable, you know, just one day at a time. So if I did not start seeking healing in 2013, you know, when I started Warrior Solution at a different name that time, and I'm like, when I was in graduate school, I was, how can I help a veteran coming into college, struggling, figuring it out, you know, so then they can stick to it and finish, you know. How can I help somebody who's dealing with migrants? Because I have crazy migrants, Brandon. You know, sometimes I can't look at the light. Sometimes I can't do anything because I get these migrants that I just never go away. You know, to date, and this was all caused from that IED blast, you know, or those IED blasts. But you have to learn how to be patient with yourself. I think the biggest thing is people don't often pay attention to themselves. We are so overwhelmed worrying about the outside world that we don't even know who we are. We don't even know what characteristics we have, what are the habits that we overlook that are derailing us, and how can we change that, you know, for the better? What are the patterns of our thought process that is always derailing our progress moving forward? Because you still have the choice. The choice is on you. You can choose to think dark, 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 or you can just say, yeah, I know that dark thought, it never goes away. That was that experience, but now that's not what I want to think about. I want to think about light, 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 light moving forward. I want to accept me. I want to believe in me. I want to love me. I want to know that there are possibilities be besides the suffering. I want to know that there are many more things to achieve be behind the experience that I've already endured. You understand? You know, what do you want out of your life? 
how clear are you? Because clarity matters. Even God wants you to be clear in, in having a conversation with him, which is a prayer. You don't pray when you're a double-minded person. You pray with clarity. You ask for what you want. If it's healing that you want, start journeying to healing. You know, if it's overcoming, then overcome. If it's getting out of your way, get out of your way. It really is that simple because you have the power to do it. It's just a matter of making a choice. Decide and act. I like the point you bring up where you specifically say don't get in competition with others or yourself in the essence of everyone's going through their own struggles. You don't know exactly where someone's at in their life. Even if, even if everything seems perfect, you know, they give off the persona that everything is going to be all right. They have a beautiful life. There's no issues. I guarantee every single person has a struggle some way or another. Obviously, some are bigger than others. But in the end of the day, God gives us the struggles that he knows we can take on. And he's never going to give us something that we can't handle. And so in that instance, um, when you're saying that, I thought of a little example. It's like when you're going to the gym and you see a power lifter bench pressing right next to you, he's got three, four plates on and he's just cranking these out. One, two, three, four, five, six sets. And he's just destroying it. And then you're over there on the other bench press and you got maybe a plate on, maybe less, maybe a tiny bit more. How to, no matter how much you fight it, you can often look at that person and think, wow, I wish I could be them right now. I wish I could compete like them. And then you start adding more weight, more weight, and then eventually you can't do it anymore because you aren't to that point yet. But what people don't recognize is the journey that that person, that power lifter right next to you has already gone through. The years of training and discipline with their diet, with their workout regimen, with everything else they have going on in their lives, that all focuses around making sure that they can lift those four plates. Whereas you take a little bit more laxed approach and you focus on simpler goals, which is at the end of the day, it's good. But my point is everyone is at a different journey. You can't compare your 35 pounds to somebody else's 465 pounds. You have to go increment by increment. Yeah, I just wanted to add on, you know, there's no way of knowing anybody's weight in, in regards to what their suffering is about. You understand? Because everybody has their own different challenges. Some they don't talk about it. Some they, they're not even smiling. And then there are some that are smiling in your face and you think this person 110% very well and they're not. You know, they are suffering in the back of that beautiful smile. You know, so don't compete with people. Just compete with yourself. You understand? Give yourself an opportunity. But I think the most important thing that a lot of people don't do, and this is where we go wrong, you know, at the beginning of the new year, we worry so much about the new year resolutions and things like that, but we don't never sit down to self-interview. You know, take take a minute, sit down and interview yourself. What was the last year like coming into this new year before you even make the new year's resolutions? You know, what were the shortcomings and what were the successes and how can you mitigate? How can you improve? How can you self-develop? You know, how can you grow just individually first before we worry about, you know, what we are pursuing even. Now, once you have that acknowledgement, then, you know, start pursuing goals. But don't also write 10, 10 different, uh, you know, things that you want to accomplish at a time. You know, you can have a list of 10, but what are the priorities in that 10? You know, because they have to have numbers. Which one is number one, number two, number three, number four? So then you know exactly because that's what we talk about, clarity. You have to know which one to empower first. You understand which one benefits first then get one out of the way then move on to two but you can say this year i want to lose 50 pounds and i want to lose this and then i want to do this and i want to do this then you go to the gym twice and then you give up and then come march you've completely for, you've forgotten about everything you've planned to do for the rest of the year and then you're struggling trying to come up like but this year is bad this year is not good this year is not giving me what i wanted well you kind of gave up on the year already you didn't pursue you didn't stick to the game plan you didn't stick to your goals. You didn't stick to your ambitions. You know, you, you don't see the worthiness within you. You know, you don't value yourself. That's why you're playing around with, with, with these beautiful ambition, ambitions that you have, but you don't see the value in them. You say you want to do this, but you don't, you don't get it done because you don't see the value in it. So why are you tickling your brain momentarily? Why can't you be assertive enough, which is confidence with you and say, this is what I'm sticking to. Let me go through this. Perseverance. You need to stick the game plan, you know? Um, that's something that I'd love to explore more in depth with you, especially as we're approaching towards the end of the year. That's a conversation that all of us, I mean, you gave the example that you can do this at the end of the year, right before the new year starts. But in reality, we can do this at any time. We can do this at the end of the day, have a little self-reflection and think, 
what went good in my day, what went wrong, where could I have improved, how could I have served other people more, how could I have helped myself more, you know, you can do these little daily analyses, you can also do it week by week, month by month. I think the whole point you're trying to put across is simply that you need to have these checks in with yourself. There's no point in ever setting a goal if you don't actually go back and reflect upon it. Whether you achieve the goal or not, there's very little learned if you don't actually go back and reflect on it. If you failed the goal, you can sit down and think, okay, where did I go wrong? Where did I train wrong? Who did I not help in my process of doing so? What areas can I improve on? And then if you accomplish it, think, okay, now that I accomplished that, what did I do right? What did I do wrong? And how can I correct that to make it even better for my next goal? Exactly that. And now, Fidelis, as we're approaching that time where we're going to close out this episode, I want to thank you so much for joining first and foremost. But at the end, this is something I do on every podcast episode. I ask my guests that I interview, if you could have one piece of advice that you leave with the world, one thing in general, if the entire world could hear you in this instance, Fidelis, what would it be and why? Believe in yourself. Believe in yourself the same way you believe in God. You know, we are often so doubtful. You know, we, we don't know how to listen to our inner voices. I think because we are used to listening to the chaotic environment outside of us. You know, we are used to listening to the voices of the naysayers that say, ah, you cannot be done only because they can't do it. And then you believe in that. Or they doubt your potential, your ability to accomplish something, or your ability to pursue a bigger goal. Just because someone does not see the vision that you see does not mean your vision is wrong. So often a lot of people give giving into that, you know, you giving in to instead of getting over yourself. Getting over yourself means getting over those inner voices, getting over listening to the naysayers, getting over, you know, being doubtful because somebody is doubting themselves. You know, that's what I mean. You have to believe in yourself. When you set a goal and you say this is what you're wanting to do, that's an experience God wants you to accomplish or fulfill. You have to go and live that experience. If you do not become successful in that experience, guess what? you've still learned a thing or two, you've still grown out of it, but you've lived experience because life is all about experimenting. You understand? So you have to believe in yourself. There's no bigger goal that you cannot pursue to, to completion. You have what it takes. So you have to believe in yourself the same way you believe in God. The same way you pray and believe in God that there's a God out there that will come and save you, you have to believe in yourself with the same exact regard that you have what it takes to achieve anything you set your goal, you set your mind to. I love it, Fidelis. Everything you've said today is so truthful and so honest, and I could tell it's coming from your heart. It's something you practice and something that you truly believe can help not only yourself, but everyone in general. So thank you, Fidelis. I can't thank you enough for joining us on today's episode of the Get Over Yourself podcast. To all the listeners out there, thank you for joining us. I am so appreciative to you and everything that you do for me to help this podcast grow. And in that same instance, I challenge all of you to go out and check out Fidelis's pages, check out his social medias, be able to go and support his projects that he's working on for veterans. Because at the end of the day, we all deserve to give them a little bit more thanks and help them out in the best ways we can. So guys, once again, check out the description down below. It'll have the links you need to find for Fidelis. And at the end of the day, I also want to leave you with this challenge to go out and find simpler ways to be happy. Count the many blessings that you have inside of your lives. Fidelis, he grew up in a situation many of us can't imagine, but at the end of the day, I guarantee he's happier than a lot of us. He found his reason. He fought and he strove, and now at the end of the day, he's finding his purpose here on this earth. So guys, I'll leave you with that challenge. Find the little ways you can find more happiness, more success, and leave some of the negatives at the door. Once again, thank you for listening. If you know anyone who could benefit from today's episode, make sure to share it with them. And if you found something positive in today's episode, please leave us a positive review in the comments down below as well. Guys, thank you so much. And just remember, it'll all be okay. Just take a step back and continue to serve others daily and find your reason why.